Welcome to Good Luck Charlie. Just like you, I'm on the journey of self-discovery and am daily trying to learn what it means to find balance, create lifelong friendships, chase my dreams and invest in my future. So here's what I'm learning and loving on this crazy path of life. I'm so glad you decided to join me. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the Good Luck Charlie podcast. I hope that you have had a wonderful week. I feel like I always start the episodes that way, but I do hope that your week was okay, that it was good, that you learned something, and that, like I've been learning to realize, even if maybe you're hurting inside or you're growing and changing and learning inside, and that that can be hard sometimes, I hope that you can still acknowledge the beauty around you and appreciate that. Today, we are back for another Future Me episode interviewing the wonderful Tessa, who is a good friend of mine and an amazing dietitian who has helped so many people with their relationship with food to live a happier and healthier lifestyle. If you want to follow Tessa on Instagram, she's at tessafunk.nutrition, or you can also follow her amazing podcast called That Nutrition Nutters, where they, her and one of her good friends have amazing conversations about food and what that means and what that looks like and how you can be healthy. So if you're interested in becoming a dietitian and you want to know what that looks like, or if you're just interested for yourself in how to gain a bit of a healthier relationship with food or how to travel while studying, this is the perfect episode for you. Let's jump right into hearing from Tessa. Whoop, whoop. Hello, my dear. How are you? Hey, hey, Tessa. Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So to begin with, it would be amazing if you could describe and explain kind of your life from grade 12 or so up into where you are now. Like what made you want to study? What you studied? Did you go straight into study? Did you enjoy studying? And then getting your job now and yeah, just to see kind of prove to people that there are so many different ways to get to the place that you want to be. So many different ways that life looks like and nothing is right or wrong. So yeah, if you could talk us through a bit of your life up until now, that would be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so going out of grade 12, I went straight into university and I didn't know that I wanted to be a dietitian when I finished um, high school. I just knew that I liked exercise and I liked nutrition. So I studied a Bachelor of Exercise and Nutrition Science. Wow, makes sense. Um, Yeah, you know, just combine the two things I like (laughs) and throw them into a degree. And I knew when I started that, that that degree was kind of designed to have three different outcomes at the end. You could either go into physio, dietetics, or like medicine as well. So I was like, there's sort of three different things I think could be cool. I'll do the degree and see how I go. And you do like the first year is sort of just a real blend of, I guess, real like first year basic subjects, building up that knowledge base. And then second year, you really get to go into those like nitty gritty subjects and explore those different pathways a bit more. So when I did advanced nutrition sciences, that's when I like decided, yeah, I think I want to do dietetics. And it was real like getting into that nerdy stuff about nutrition down at like a chemical level and how it all works in the body. And yeah, you got to really geek out about it. So I was like, this is cool. Like Mm -hmm. I think dietetics would be fun if I get to study this more. So that's what sort of led me down dietetics path. And then um, because at UQ, there's not really a dietetics undergrad, you have to do a master's. So I just made sure I did all my prereqs for that. So a lot of chemistry, (laughs) Um, a lot of like nutrition science, which were all really fun. Um, So yeah, I did my three-year undergrad and then went straight into my um, 18-month master's degree for dietetics. So I found that was a big change compared to undergrad Mm -hmm. and 
very different in terms of the size of your class. So like in my first year at uni, I was in classes with sometimes up to like 500 people in lectures. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So little fish, <laughs> big pond. And then you go into masters and it's like 30 of you mm-hmm. and that's your whole class. And everything sort of ran like you're in a classroom back at high school, which was actually mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, so it's like little tables and pods set up and you know your lecturers really well and you can ask questions during class and it's very interactive. So I actually really enjoyed that yeah, side cool. of it because um, that's how I like learning as well. So mm-hmm. that was really, really nice way to sort of get into dietetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I guess in terms of like the dietetics degree, it's it was like relatively hard to get into it's like a bit competitive I think because it's such a small cohort um and not I guess like not everywhere in Brisbane really has a dietetics degree so you could either do it there or you could do it at QUT as well but they have a like undergrad program so you can go straight into it from high school um and then I guess in terms of how the degree went with the master's it started off kind of like when you're back in uni in your first year and the first semester was really just like basic level mm-hmm. getting your like little skills in there building up your toolbox and then you get to jump into doing like placements and pracs and mm-hmm. that was really where like all your learning happens um so you're really like thrown in the deep end but you get to see what the job is and like what the outcome is of why you're going to uni mm-hmm. And that was really beneficial because in my undergrad, I had no placements and no pracs because there wasn't really a exercise nutrition scientist yeah, job crazy. that exists. <laughs> yeah, so you're going in like, hmm, what am I going to be doing in four years' time? I have no idea. Um, so I really like that in dietetics. You've got a good taste of this is what your day-to-day is going to look like. Um, these are the different types of jobs you can do. But, yeah, it starts off very clinical. Um, so you go into hospitals. And that was definitely something... I don't know why I, like, didn't think about I just thought of dietetics as, like, advanced nutrition science and yeah. learning all the nitty-gritty stuff. <laughs> um, so that was quite a contrast, not having been, like, working in hospitals ever and then almost being thrown in the deep end and going in there as essentially, like, a fourth-year student. Crazy. Um, yeah, it was wild, but you learn really quickly, which was really cool. Yeah. And it's, like it kind of feels like it's like bring your child to work day and just sort of follow around your like preceptor for the first few days Amazing. and you're like whoa mm-hmm. yeah you're like you're all like real adults <laughs> so can we just um, oh sorry pause it there yeah. and so what was your role at the hospital what did that look yeah. like and if you were to have gotten a full-time job in the hospital what would have been your job yeah so as um, a dietitian in the hospital, you will normally get put onto like a workload essentially. So you work in a few different boards. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially in your first year, like if, if you're a first year dietitian working in a hospital, you get a real like variety of different like caseloads. So you're sort of building up your knowledge on all the yeah. different areas, whether that's like renal, oncology, um, like hip fractures, um, diabetes, all these different areas. Um, So you do that, so seeing patients that need to see you because whether they've got like diabetes or something like that and they need a specific um, diet when they're in hospital, but also the major thing that is just the real general theme for dietetics when you're in the clinical world is malnutrition, um, especially in the older population. So 
you'll notice like when elderly people come into hospital, they'll lose weight really quickly and muscle really quickly. And because that's, there's so many barriers to eating enough when you're in hospital, especially when you're elderly as well, Mm -hmm. when you're sick, people know that feeling when you're nauseous, you just don't want to eat, but it's actually really, really important. And there's heaps of studies that show malnutrition significantly impacts the rate that you get out of hospital. So if you're not fueling enough, you're going to be in there for longer worse health outcomes and also costs the health system a lot of money as well. So that's a big job of a dietitian is identifying those people that are malnourished or are on the route to becoming malnourished and sort of fixing that. Yeah, wow. Um, Yeah, which is sort of something... Yeah, don't really think about it. I think you spend a lot of time as dietetics mm-hmm. learning about public health and like weight loss and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you come into the hospital and you try and do the opposite. You try and make people put on weight. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much the main thing Amazing. when you're working on the wards. And then the other jobs you do as well is um, there's a lot of research as well when you're a dietitian, okay. so like working on projects mm-hmm. and also working in um, outpatient clinics, which kind of is – the closest you could get if you went to see a dietitian out in private practice. So you book yeah. an appointment, go in and have like a one-on-one consult. You can also do that in the hospital as well. Okay. You might see patients that get discharged from hospital and then come back for some checkups. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool to know. I hadn't even thought about that either. I was also mm. wondering just from before you said it was harder to get into the dietetic post-grad because it mm. was more competitive. So what are the requirements to get in? Is it fully based on your GPA and past scores or how did you apply and get in? Yeah, so you could have gotten a guaranteed entry from your undergrad. So I think for my um, undergrad course, it was an OP8 to get in back in the OP system. Um, And if you got an OP2, you could receive a guaranteed entry into Masters as long as you kept up a GPA of five, I think. Um, but even in saying that, I got an OP2 and still didn't get guaranteed entry. Oh, so they were wow. pretty, yeah, I was like, oh, that hard work for nothing. <laughs> they are pretty restrictive with that. Um, but then basically it's the prereqs, if I remember right, was a GPA, I think, above five. Yeah. Um, and then you had to also have all these prerequisites. So there was a lot of chemistry. You had to make sure you did all these like really specific chemistry subjects, enough of the advanced nutrition science physiology and biology um so yeah it was just making sure that you ticked off all those subjects during your undergrad and your gpa was high enough and then that's sort of how they chose yeah that makes sense and if people were interested if they did the undergrad and wanted to go Mm -hmm. into physiotherapy or something like that instead was there a different list of prerequisites so if you had done the undergrad not knowing what you were going to do afterwards would it have been more challenging to go straight into one of them yeah I definitely needed at least my last year to make sure I could fit all of my prerequisites in Mm. um and I know because I went on exchange and I couldn't do any of my prerequisites overseas Mm. my last year was solely spent doing like all the chemistry subjects all the specific like physiology subjects so I think if you were going into physio you'd have the same thing and do like more anatomy and more biomechanics and stuff like that um I think you could definitely do like say you didn't really have the realization of what you want to do until your last semester you can do bridging courses because I know there were some people in my master's that had come from like a university in Melbourne they came up did um some bridging courses and subjects just to get like the right amount of chemistry or right amount of physiology 
knowledge yeah. and then they could apply. Cool. But it's definitely something to be aware of beforehand, which maybe people yeah. wouldn't be. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I did actually want to talk about the fact that you have traveled a little bit. And I think people sometimes mm. think if they want to travel while they're young, they've got to have a gap year or they've got to do it through other ways. But can you talk yeah. us through just quickly how you did it with university and if that was specific to your university or like how can you fit travel and life around studying as well? Yeah, so I always knew that I wanted to go on an exchange program um, and that pretty much got me through my first year and a half of uni, knowing that I was going on it. And I know it's definitely an option at most universities. Um, so you do have to apply to go on exchange and get accepted. Like I think you've got to have like a okay GPA, like probably around that five mark again. Yeah. Um, but it's so, so good for fitting in travelling because – what I didn't realise until I was actually on exchange was the subjects that you do overseas don't count towards your GPA. It's oh. literally pass or fail. So I'd spent the whole of my undergrad being like, oh, trying to get as high of a grade as I can, stressing about getting like sevens and sixes yeah. and putting in all this effort. And then I knew when I was overseas, you could sort of back off a bit and you had more time Obviously, I didn't have a job over there, so I had all this time to travel around and really explore the city I was living in and chill out a bit. And you mm. knew that obviously you still wanted to do okay in your subjects and mm. pass and get that knowledge. But one, none of the subjects over there were a prereq for my master's, so it wasn't like crucial information yeah. for me. And two, it wasn't going to affect my GPA. So just as long as I passed, then that was fine, which yeah. can be a bit hard to um, reconcile with, especially if you're like a high achiever. But sure. it was sort of something comforting to fall back on. It literally just shows up on your record as exchange subject times four pass. Yeah. So big advocate for doing exchange programs. Yeah, it sounds amazing. That's cool to know that you can really enjoy your time traveling because it doesn't count as much. Yeah. Very awesome. So then if we could jump back to you've graduated, you've done a couple of different placements in the hospital. Um, could you talk about if you did work experience throughout university and how did you tips, like any tips to getting that work experience? Mm, so um, outside of the placements, we also had, um, I guess they're called placements or like clinic days at the university which was meant to mirror what working in private practice would be like so I realized I sort of enjoyed them a bit but I also liked the hospital side of things as well so their advice at university was just to reach out to as many dietitians that you could or that you knew so there's so many dietitians like on Instagram and stuff like that and yeah. quite a few well-known dietitians for specific areas whether it's like women's health sports etc so it's really about networking and networking is like everything in dietetics especially if you're in private practice so it was a lot of um messaging people seeing it, just saying hi I'm a dietetic student um on my summer holidays and just want to give of experience um I was just wondering if I could come in for a few days and either like um like observe you in practice or if you need help making resources or yeah. anything like that and just offering your time. Um, that's the biggest thing. And yeah, a lot of private practice dietitians are very happy to have that help because Amazing. they're really, really busy. Uh -huh. So that was that for the private practice side of things. Um, in terms of the hospital, 
that's where I actually did like a little bit of volunteering and mm-hmm. I just told my preceptor. So definitely be really nice to your preceptors um, and the clinical educators. They're like one step above your preceptor at the hospital and they sort of oversee everything and make sure you're like working towards your standards and stuff like that. So I like made time to talk to them and mentioned that like I was really interested in working in this hospital and I really enjoyed my placements and Mm -hmm. like how could I sort of like get my foot in the door and how could I sort of like do some volunteering and they'll put you onto the right people to get in contact with. So I ended up coming in and working, doing some volunteering for a, I think, food services research project. So like data entry, observing in the kitchens um, and stuff like that. So really, really helpful just to like be annoying and email people again and again. Um, and that way your name is just sort of out there and people have then if they're reading through resumes and stuff, be like, oh, that name like rings a bell and they remember that you've emailed or that you've maybe done one or two days work there. Cool. I feel like that's amazing advice. And then Mm. you graduated and you had done some internship at a private clinic and then you actually got the job at that private clinic so just talk us through that a little bit um applying to do the internship what the internship looked like and then how you ended up with the job there yeah so it was for um a dietitian who she had just recently sort of I guess set up as her own business in private practice called peak potential nutrition and Mm. she was looking to expand her team so um the premise of the internship was it was kind of like doing a bit of observing, like if you were a student, but a bit more responsibility as mm. well. Um, and it was advertised like a normal job. So I just came across it on Seek. And then I think actually someone sent it to me as like a Facebook post as well. Okay. Um, so I applied for it like a job, like with my resumes and like a cover letter mm-hmm. and went in and did an interview Um and like ask questions because there was the potential of it turning into a job. It was probably treated a bit more like a job interview and asking about like your interests and motivations behind becoming a dietitian and all that side of things. And then, yeah, it was for six weeks and it was just a lot of um, observing and learning how business works as well, which is something you don't really get taught in your degree. So that is one of the really beneficial things if you are interested in private practice in like getting out there and doing some um, observing of other dietitians so you can learn sort of what the business looks like. Yeah, because that's really interesting, like how to deal with doctors and all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, So, yeah, I did that with her for six weeks. We'd go along to like nutrition presentations, sit in in like all different types of client consults, um, work with like doing networking with other health professionals and advertising and marketing, which was really cool. And then, yeah, got offered the job at the end of it, which was really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so work there as a subcontractor. So you contract out um, and you essentially means that you get to work as a private practice dietitian, but you don't have to do any of the admin side of things. Um, Yeah, so the person that I subcontract to, they take a portion of my I guess, like revenue from a consult and that goes towards like running admin, room rent, electricity, all that stuff that I don't have to worry about. Very cool. So you've Hmm. studied, you've now gotten this job and what does a typical day for you with a typical client look like? Yeah, so um, 
every like week is really different in terms of like client loads and stuff like that, which is good. And that's what I like. Um, But in terms of how, I guess a very general outline of how it would work is someone would inquire within me or like send our business an email or they'll just book through the website, pops into my calendar. um, And a first consult goes for an hour. So a lot of dietetics is actually really just getting to learn in that first consult all about someone, what makes up mm-hmm. their week, their day, who they are, what they like, what they don't like, figuring out their boundaries to living a healthy lifestyle yeah. and really honing in on their why. So there's actually a lot of like counselling that goes into dietetics that I didn't realise yeah. when I was first signing up to it. It almost feels sometimes like it's half a psychology degree because yeah. food's, yeah, really personal to a lot of people. And is, That's so true. Yeah, really intertwined with a lot of like mental health and stress and emotional response as well. So yeah. um, I actually quite like that because you get to know your clients on a bit of a deeper level and can really sort of be there for them as well. And I guess like witness the ups and downs in their months. Um, So yeah, I'll spend that first consult really getting them to talk a lot. And then from there they'll leave and depending on the type of client and what they're needing, um, say it's like a weight management or body comp goals, I'll do up like a nutrition plan or meal plan for them. Mm -hmm and any other additional resources they may need and send that to them. And then I typically see them in four weeks time um, for a review and that's for half an hour. And it's really like touching base, doing measurements, seeing what worked, what didn't work, adapting. Um, and yeah, the I try to see my clients like on a four week basis. So that way you're keeping them accountable to their goals and you can really monitor what's happening in their life and how that's reflecting in their commitment to their meal plan or how their meal plan's working for them. So you can really change it for the different seasons in their life. Amazing. It is really interesting because you started this episode talking about all the really nerdy chemistry, molecular Mm. things, and now we're talking about like learning people, networking, and it's impressive. And I hadn't realized, and maybe not very many people do, that the job does have those really two different facets, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's very, um, like, diverse. I think a lot of people get into it because they really like either just love food or, mm-hmm. uh, like, body comp things or performance or they really like to geek out the nutrition stuff. And then the longer you get in it, you sort of forget all that stuff because it becomes so much about being able to just talk to people mm-hmm. and being compassionate and, yeah, a bit more of a psychology side of things. No, that's really cool. So my next question is, what is the biggest lie that you see on social media about nutrition? And I'm sure you could rattle off hundreds, but (laughs) what's one that really irks you or one that you see all the time and you're like, no, that's so such a lie. Oh my gosh, the one that irks me the most is that carbs make you fat. Like that (laughs) makes me so sad because I used to believe that and I like did not eat carbs for years. And now, honestly, I could live off sourdough as my only source of food. So good. Yeah, and I feel like it comes up with a lot, a lot of my clients, no matter what age, what stage of life, because mm-hmm. um, it's always been fed to us in marketing and stuff like that, and with the fads of ketogenic diets. Um, but yeah, just that conception yeah. of, I guess, even making it more broad is like demonizing one food or one food group uh-huh. or causing weight gain, weight loss, when really it's not. It's about total energy in versus energy out. So yeah, that's one that annoys me the most. <laughs> That makes sense. And then my question off of that is if I'm scrolling and I come across something, carbs make you fat, 
I'm going to believe what I see because you just trust that probably wrongly. So what is then, how should I go about changing that or finding out the truth? Probably just a good Google search, but then it can be so hard because you would see the same lies again. So I don't know, what would be one of your tips to finding out the truth about that food? Yeah, I'd have a look at, if you notice it, see who's posted it, go into their profile and check in their bio and see like what credentials they have. Because you'll Mm -hmm. see a lot of, Um, like fitness or like food bloggers um, or nutritionists post things. And that's something I'd be really wary of is nutritionist is not a protected term. So anyone can call themselves a nutritionist and there's no penalty. Whereas dietitian is a protected term, like the term physio or doctor, where you've had to have a degree behind you and there's minimum standards that you have to meet. Um, and if you don't meet them, then you will get like fined for giving yourself that title. Um, to take like one step further, if you're in Australia, um, a registered dietitian will have APD next to their name. And that means um, accredited practicing dietitian. Okay. It means they're up to date with the governing body's standards. They pay for their membership each year. They're doing their professional development. Um, mm-hmm. If someone doesn't have that, it means they're not doing that. And that could be for a number of different reasons. But that would be my biggest thing is look at who's posted it. If it's not a dietitian, I would not really I'd, yeah, put on some red flags when you're yeah. reading nutrition advice from anyone that's not a dietitian. And if you're like wanting nutrition advice, like either following some good dietetic accounts or if you're Googling stuff, Google like whatever you your question you're asking, like is carbs bad and throw dietitian on the end. So you yes. can actually find dietitians blogs because so many dietitians have websites out there with heaps of free information and blog posts. And that way, you know, the stuff you're reading is backed by science. And normally all the dietitians will like reference them and put in like yeah. the papers that they're using. Amazing. I feel like that's really, really helpful. Even I was like, oh, yeah, that's so simple, but it makes a lot of sense. Very cool. Yeah, and, like, I used to do the same thing. Just yeah. <laughs> and then just Google it, and you're like, oh, cool. Google mm-hmm. says the same thing as Instagram. Great. Yeah, amazing. going to be so healthy now. No, that makes sense. <laughs> and I guess this is kind of similar, but did you find it difficult within your own life to follow the advice that you give to others? Like, do you kind of sometimes yeah. I spend the whole day talking about how to be healthy and then I go home and whatever? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something I sort of struggled with, Um, especially, I guess, pre my degree, I had a bit more of a complicated relationship with food and exercise. Um, But doing my degree and learning all that counselling has actually helped that. So sometimes it can be like, oh, God, I'm telling my clients to prepare their meals and be organised. And here I am eating like just Mm -hmm. stuff randomly thrown together on toast because I haven't had time in quotes haven't had time to prepare a proper meal um yeah and I also like to have fun so like I might go out on the weekend and probably not be on my best behavior and Mm -hmm. you know having more than the Australian guidelines of standard drinks but that's okay and I think yeah it's definitely something you can struggle with especially being a new dietitian but luckily I've got some like really good friends in my dietetics degree as well and we're all really similar and we're like eh it's all about balance you know (laughs) (laughs) you do your best that's cool and I guess you kind of touched on this but did the things you learn at university sometimes negatively impact your own diet so learning about guilt or disordered eating restrictive eating all these different diets Mm. that people might do did that impact yourself or did you find that it really helped you to come to a more positive place with 
your relationship with food? Yeah, it really positively helped me. Um, Yeah, just learning. I think even in my undergrad doing like that advanced nutrition science and learning how like when the food is broken down to its molecular level, how it's treated and that starts to dispel those myths of like carbs make you fat and X, Y, Z and like you can't eat sugar and blah, blah, blah. Um, I found it really positive to just have like a more balanced and relaxed approach to nutrition and knowing that like having one thing that has sugar in it isn't going to ruin your life and all that side of things. And also being able to see and witness people with actual eating disorders really puts you in perspective. Uh Um, And it's, yeah, you can really compare like your thought patterns to thought patterns of those maybe like going through an eating disorder or disordered eating patterns and it can really highlight um maybe some of the negative associations you have with food and nutrition and that's a really common thing in dietetics I think speaking for dietitians (laughs) in general a lot of dietitians get into the career because they have a disordered eating with food and it's that need to like know everything about it and control it um but it can actually be really beneficial because you learn that balance is important and all these things aren't as drastic as the media tells us and again I can imagine that would be amazing and super helpful for them to have had that experience to then be able to empathize with all of your clients as well yeah Yeah. absolutely I it's been so beneficial being able to pull on your own experiences as a dietitian and it makes your clients trust you and know that like Mm -hmm. you've been through the same thing as them amazing so I guess off of that what is the most rewarding part of your job I find for me the most most rewarding part is having people improve their relationship with food and not stressed so much about nutrition and weight loss and all those things. Obviously, I want someone to like work towards their goal. If they want to lose weight, that's totally fine. But I want to Mm -hmm. do it in a really healthy and sustainable way in terms of nutrition, but also mindset. Um, So yeah, that's been really rewarding and having Um, like clients that might be suffering from a type of um, disordered eating habits, be like, oh, like I've realized that I'm doing this because of Mm -hmm. this and I've been able to eat this food without guilt associated with it. Um, That's really rewarding because I can sort of pull from what it felt like to be controlled by food and then having freedom is just such a good feeling. Yeah, that's really special. I'm glad you find it rewarding and I'm glad like it's it is special to be able to have that impact on people's lives especially when food is so much of your life so I'm wondering for myself even now do you think everybody should see a dietitian at some point in their lives either just to even if they don't feel like they have a problem with food to learn more things Mm. or even just to learn what food is best for their body type because I'm sure everyone is so different like even me I'm I don't think that I struggle with food or anything but I'm sure that there are ways that I could be eating to make myself feel healthier and better yeah absolutely like I actually have quite a lot of clients that have just come and seen me and I call them like health conscious clients they're already like pretty healthy in quotes um but they just want to make sure they're doing the best that they can or if there's they've got questions they just want to know a bit more so I yeah really recommend it um because especially like nutrition can just affect so many things. So Mm. whether you play a specific sport and you want to make sure you're performing at your best or you get tired all the time and you're fatigued or you struggle eating vegetables, um, you find it really difficult to 
like get a variety of food in your diet or you're confused about things you see on social media, it can be really beneficial just to, I guess, um, set things straight and make sure you're on the right path and know that you're going to a credible source if you do have questions. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, I'll be seeing you next week. <laughs> Maybe. Come with Jess. Yeah. Perfect. And this is kind of a bit of a tangent, but is there any additional study or specifications that you can do as a dietitian? Mm, so I'm actually starting next week my sports dietetics course. Amazing. So yeah, that's um an extra like bout of study and um mentoring and professional development that I'll be doing. Um and then outside of that, there is heaps and heaps of study you can do. Um, every year you have to do a minimum of 30 hours of professional development and you can choose what area you want to do that in. So you might find like after a year, you're like, oh, I really want to be like an oncology dietitian yeah. and you just put all your CPD into that and you can um, become, you can't be like a specialist as such. We're actually not allowed to call ourselves specialists in specific okay. areas, but you can be like really well-trained and really knowledgeable and you can get extra, um, I guess, excited of like qualifications, especially if you work in a hospital mm-hmm. where you're allowed to do more outside of the scope of practice that would be for a normal dietitian. Yeah. No. That's very cool. So how long is that study that you're doing now? Yeah, so it's um, it used to be in person and it would just be like I think three days in Melbourne, but this time it's online for 12 weeks okay. and I think it's a commitment of like six hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do that to get all like the knowledge and then you do have to do a certain number of hours seeing like sports-related clients, doing different measurements and stuff like that. Um, and professional development. So you've got three years to accumulate that and then you can officially, um, I guess, call yourself a sports dietitian and go for the next level up, which is would be an advanced sports dietitian. Ooh, very fancy. Cool. I well, I really hope you enjoy that. Hope you learn lots. Thanks. I'm sure it'll benefit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's really exciting. Cool that you can always be learning more and exploring more. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And now this is to conclude mostly, if you could go back and give your 15-year-old self one piece of advice about whatever you want, what would it be? Mm, I think just knowing, like I'd love to tell myself that like you're going to get there and it's going to be okay and that everything doesn't have to be such a big deal. I think that's one thing I really learned when I was on exchange was that it really put into perspective that you were just one little blip in this big, big world and all the things that you're stressing about aren't going to be a worrisome in a month's time, two months or a year's time. Yeah. Um, so I find, yeah, I'd like to tell myself that because as a 15-year-old, I was a pretty big stress head in high school. So <laughs> that would be my bit of advice. That's amazing. I ask everyone this and I feel like it's purely selfish reasons. I'm like, I want the advice. Give me the advice. And then I'm sitting here with like shivers going like, wow, that's so good. Well, they know me so well. It's like they're doing Uh, This is targeted at you. Yeah. But everyone just goes through, like everyone has such different experiences, but also at the same time, everyone kind of goes through the same experiences. So that's cool. It's good advice. And then finally, is there anything else that you would like to share about your job about advice for the job or just in general in life um I think 
I've sort of gone through, I guess, the struggle with dietetics where I haven't always felt that it's right for me and that I'm like the stereotypical dietitian and I'm not. Sometimes there's this pressure when you choose a career, especially in like health and when it's to do with helping other people, that you just live, eat and breathe that profession and it is your reason for life. And I have struggled because I don't feel that all the time and I really value my own time and my time away from work and Mm -hmm. living life for myself. Um, So that's something I would let people know, especially if you're first year or you're in uni where they are like, you feel like there's all this pressure to get out there and hustle and get that job down pat and like be the best in your field that it's okay to take things slowly and you're not going to feel passion a hundred percent of the time it's kind of like with exercise when you're like you don't feel motivation all the time and when you're not motivated you have discipline like that's like me with dietetics some weeks I'm like oh my gosh the last thing I want to do is go and like see clients or if you're really tired or just feeling a bit stressed you don't really want to have to absorb other people's problems but you like know deep down that you chose that career for a reason and it does give back to you but it's okay not to feel that passion all the time thank you for sharing that I feel like that's vulnerable of you but also really good advice and it makes sense and there is so much pressure with every job and especially when you're in grade 12 what you're deciding next year is the rest of your life. You have to love it. You have to be great at it. You have to enjoy it. Like, I'm literally 17. Like, I have no idea. And I've never had the time to work it out for myself. But you're not going to love something all the time. Yeah, you go. Everyone's always going to keep asking that question. Like, oh, what are you doing next? And even like it's a dietitian, it's like, what are you going to specialize? Or like, what are you going to focus on? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just going through the paces. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever feeling like that, you're definitely not going to be the only one. That is an amazing way to conclude. Thank you so, so much for your time, for sharing everything. I didn't even realize I had all these questions and interest in it. It's very impressive what you do for everyone. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on and sharing all of that with us, Tessa. I definitely had not realized how much there was to a role of a dietitian before this interview. So I hope that maybe you learned something as well. And if you want to be a dietitian or thinking of studying anything in that health career and that field, I really hope this interview was helpful. I'm sure you learned a lot and I'm sure you have some answers to your questions. I particularly loved how Tessa was talking about how not every day you're going to be passionate about your job. And I think we as young people can feel a lot of pressure to find a job and choose a job and a career that is going to make us feel passionate and inspired every single day. But I loved that reminder that it's not always like that. And instead you have to think of the bigger picture sometimes and realize the big why behind you're doing it. And even though some days you might not feel motivated, the discipline kicks in. And at the end of the day, you realize that you are working towards something so much bigger. So in saying that, like always, if you loved this episode and you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, I would love if you could leave a rating and a review. That would mean a ton. Or if you know someone who is interested in being a dietitian or working in the nutrition world, or even if you just know someone who you think would be great at that, I would love and I'm sure they would really appreciate if you sent this episode to them just so they can have a few more answers to their questions as well as helping more people work out what they want to do because that is what I am so passionate about. 
So I really hope you enjoyed this lesson. I hope you subscribe to the podcast. Also follow along on Instagram at goodluck underscore Charlie pod. And I hope you have a fabulous week. I hope you get one step closer to knowing more about who you are and your why and your purpose for life, because I do believe that you have a unique set of skills and gifts that will help you go far and impact so many people. So with that, have a great week and good luck, Charlie. Bye. Good luck, Charlie.